Well, welcome to this next episode of Rend the Heavens, Lorcan Down podcast. It's been a while since I've done a podcast, um, but I feel the Lord wants me to speak today. And just let's see what happens here. <clears throat> We're going to look at a, a godly man of God called Micaiah. And this story is found in Second Chronicles chapter 18. And <clears throat> I think we can learn a lot from this incident here about the state of the church in these last days <clears throat> and the state of Christianity. So Second Chronicles 18, um, <clears throat> start in verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honour in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Let's stop there first, okay? Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. Um, Ahab was the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom didn't have one godly king and Ahab certainly was not a godly king. He was a, quite a wicked king actually, but a wicked wife called Jezebel. But Jehoshaphat was a godly king and but here he is joining up with a, a with a uh, with a wicked king Ahab, which he should have never have done. Okay, just remember that. Verse two, and after certain years he went down to Ahab to Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance, and for the people that he had with him, and persuaded him to go with him to Ramat Gilead to fight. In other words, and king, and Ahab king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat king of Judah. Wilt thou go with me to Ramat Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we'll be with thee in the war. Now again, this is all wrong. Godly people should never mix with ungodly people. But this is what's happening here. And I believe this is what's happened today in these last days in Christianity. Godly people mixing with ungodly people. <clears throat> and what ends up happening is the ungodly people bring down the godly people. It's a bit like just in the, days of, in the days of Noah, when it says the sons of God saw the daughters of men. The sons of God are not um, evil angels, as many people are proposing. The sons of God in the Bible are either good angels, for starters, or they are God's people, good people, believers. And so the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they um, married them and had wicked children. And then that caused the flood to come in the days of Noah. Ungodly people should never mix with ungodly people. Even the book of Corinthians tells us that, about light has no fellowship with darkness, and believers have no association or concord with unbelievers. And yet this is going on all the time. So Jehoshaphat, even though he was a godly king, he's made a mistake here, um, being persuaded by a wicked king Ahab to help him in battle. Not, uh, Jehoshaphat did not inquire of the Lord at this stage. And it says in verse 4, and Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Therefore the king of Israel gathered together of, gathered together of prophets, 400 men. Now notice these are called prophets, 400 men. They're not called prophets of God. Just called prophets. Um, they're false prophets. And there's 400 of them, which is quite a lot. And I would say that the false prophets today outnumber uh, God's men, God's prophets by far. So he gathers these 400 prophets, <coughs> Ahab does, and he says unto them, Shall we go to Ramah Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it, get delivered it into the king's hands. So these prophets are telling King Ahab and Jehoshaphat, who's there, listen, yes, God said <coughs> that you should go up and into this battle and you will win. 
But of course, God has not spoken through these people. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? Now that's interesting. Jehoshaphat actually says, Is there not a prophet of the Lord? You know, that's what he's looking for, uh, that we may hear what he has to say. Uh, King Ahab's men are just called prophets. But Jehoshaphat is asking, Is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may hear from him what he's got to say? Okay? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Now, why does King Ahab hate this prophet of the Lord? For, he says, he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imla. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. King Ahab hates Micaiah because Ahab says he never tells me what I want to hear, basically. He never tells me what, what Ahab says is good things. But he just, well, basically, Micaiah is a man of God who speaks God's word, which is not popular then and ain't popular today, even in the church. And Ahab hates him, he says, because he never speaks nice things for me. But Jehoshaphat insists, let's hear from him anyway. And the king of Israel <coughs> called for some of his officers and said, said, fetch quickly Micaiah, the son of Imla. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat either of them on his throne, clothed in their robes. And they sat in a void place at the entering in of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of uh, Chenaena, had made him horns of iron and said, Thus say the Lord, with these thou shalt push Syria until they be consumed. So this prophet, this false prophet actually, Zedekiah, is predicting that, that if Israel and the northern kingdom and Judah go together to fight against Syria, that they will win. But again, this is not from God. But that's what they want to hear. We're going to, going to win. Tell us what we want to hear. That's what Ahab wants. And so Zedekiah is obliging. Yeah, you're going to win. Go ahead. You're going to win the battle. <clears throat> and all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramah Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. So we have 400 prophets here, all agreeing that, and all saying that, uh, that Syria will be defeated by Israel and Judah. But this is not from God. And so what we have here is we have a majority here of false prophets who are saying the wrong thing, as we're going to find out. Okay? So remember, majority does not necessarily mean right. In fact, most of the time, if you look through biblical history and church history, um, the majority are usually wrong. And when there's a a, a popular author, Christian author, or popular preacher, always ask the question, why is he, or even she in these day and age, why is he or she popular? And you'll find that they are compromisers. They will say things that sound so good that people want to hear, and that's why they become popular. And so all these prophets are joining together. The Bible says, though, um, but, but the wicked that though hand join with hand, they shall not go unpunished. So people think there's a lot of strength in unity. And you hear the cry of the church again today, which I've said before, unity, unity, let's have unity. It doesn't matter if there's heresy here or there or there's compromise here or there. Let's have unity in the name of Jesus, you know? And that's what these prophets are basically doing. You know, yes, you're going to beat the Syrians. 
That's what they're saying. But this is false. It's not true. Okay? That's what they want to hear. And that's what they've heard so far. So, verse 12, and the messenger sent by King Ahab to Micaiah, and the messenger that went to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king, with one assent, with one agreement. Let thy word therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs, and speak thou good. And they're talking about pressure here. Micaiah, the two kings have heard from the 400 prophets, and they've all said the same thing. They have all said good things that Syria will be defeated. Now you do the same thing. You conform. You bow down. That's what, this is pressure already, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. And Micaiah said, as the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. What a breath of fresh air. Of course, this is easy for Micaiah so far to say this. He's not actually in the king's presence there. He's not there with the king of Judah or the king of um, Israel. But he says to the messenger, as God, whatever my God says, I will speak. So certainly that's a good thing that he's, he's made the decision. This is what I'm going to do. But what's he going to do when he stands in front of these two kings? And, you know, especially King Ahab, just a click of his fingers, he could have Micaiah beheaded. All right. So right now, Micaiah who's not there at the moment, but just says to the king's messenger, I will speak what the Lord tells him to speak. So that's certainly a good thing. But will he do that when he's in front of these men, when his life could be in, will, will be in danger? And then he was come to the king. The king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramach Gilead to battle or shall I forbear? And he said, Micaiah said, go ye up and prosper and they shall be delivered into your hands. Now that sounds like, you know, Micaiah is agreeing, yeah, you're going to win. But I believe he's saying this in a sarcastic tone, a mocking tone, as we'll see from the King Ahab's reply in the next verse here, you know. Because the king said unto him, how many times shall I adjure thee or command you that thou say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? Well, Micaiah is saying the truth, but it's not what King Ahab wants to hear. So it's obvious that Micaiah, though he said, yeah, go on up, you're going to win. He's being sarcastic. He's mocking, just like Elijah was with the prophets of Baal in that contest on Mount Carmel, right? Uh, he was mocking too. And I think Micaiah, judging by King Ahab's reply, he's mocking him. He doesn't really, he's not really saying, go up and win, you're going to win. Um, and Ahab knows that. That's not what Ahab wants to hear, though. Remember that. Remember, Ahab, remember this, has an itching ear that needs to be scratched. And we're going to look at that in a few minutes in 2 Timothy, right? He has an itching ear that needs to be scratched. And many of God's people have itching ears that wants to be scratched. Oh, that feels so good. Yes, that's exactly what I need. God loves me and um, I'm going to heaven. Everything's going to be great, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, God does love us, by the way. Um, but I wonder, is that really what we need to hear today in these last days? Not just that God loves us, but what about the state of the church and Christianity and what we're facing? So Ahab is not pleased with uh, Micaiah. He knows he's just mocking. But Micaiah goes on to say then, verse 16 of Second Chronicles 18, he said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to his house in peace. So basically Micaiah is now saying the truth. The sheep, the Israel is going to be scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah, 
did I not tell thee that he would not prophesy or preach good unto me but evil? He's calling the evil. He's calling Micaiah's hair from God and Ahab is saying that is an evil message. That is not from God. That is not right. They should call good evil and evil good. They will, uh, they will call light, they will put light for darkness and darkness for light. This is what's happening. Um, Church of God, Christians, some children of God before your very eyes and ears and you don't even see it, do you? That we are actually doing the same thing. And if a man of God speaks and, and still says, thus say the Lord, and it talks about the church and repenting, oh, you are evil. You are negative. You are legalistic. You're just critical. That's what they're saying. And that's what he said back then. So Ahab is not happy. He said, he is speaking evil. But Micaiah speaks again. In verse 18, again he said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. I just love this. This is an incredible picture. The host of heaven here is all these angelic beings, majestic uh, beings, mighty beings, terrifying beings indeed, pure and holy. And any times angels appear to man, man is trembling just at the, in the presence of angels, never mind God himself. But this is who Micaiah is hearing from. And so here we have the heavenly uh, spiritual uh, things that are going on behind the scenes. Remember the, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that we rest not against flesh and blood, but against spirituality, against spiritual powers in high places, wicked things in high places. I'm not saying exactly correct, but you know what I mean. Um, rulers of darkness. And um, so behind the scenes, even today, there's things going on in the heavens. And God is trying to speak and try to do things. And this is what's happened here in Ahab's time. <clears throat> um, this is uh, what Micaiah has heard and knows from what's happened in heaven. And so the Lord said, who should, and talking to these angelic beings, and the Lord said, who should entice King Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall or be defeated at Ramah Gilead? And one spake saying after this manner and another saying after that manner. So it's almost like as if God is looking for suggestions here from his angels. Um, who will entice or tempt Ahab to go and fight against the Syrians and lose? Then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, wherewith? And he said, I will go out and be a lion speared in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, thou shalt, thou shalt entice him. And thou shalt also prevail, go out and do even so. Wow. So here's a lion spirit, which, and you know, we do know that Satan stands before God from the book of Job. And lion spirits can stand before God as well. How that works out, I don't know. Some, chain, some spirits are in chains, the Bible tells us, in, in, in reserve in the darkness for the final judgment. But some are not. And these lion spirits says, I will lie to Ahab. I will convince him to go up and fight against Syria and lose. Okay, so Micaiah says, Now therefore, talking to King Ahab particularly, behold, the Lord hath put a lion spirit in the mouth of these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. Wow. But that's what men of God do. They speak so clearly, so fearlessly, don't they? Um, no matter what the cost may be. Many prophets in the Bible and in church history have been killed for saying such things. Did you know that a, uh, Isaiah the prophet was sawn in half for speaking what he says in the book of Isaiah. It's true. That's what history tells us. And Micaiah is in great danger here, but he knows this is what God has said. That lion spirits 
are trying to convince Ahab to go up and fight against Syria, but you're going to lose. In fact, it's going to cost him his life. But Ahab is not listening because he doesn't want to hear that. He wants to hear that Ahab is going to win, that God is on his side. But that's not the truth. You might want, Ahab might want to hear that, and you might want to hear nice things, but we need to hear what is the condition of the church today? What is our situation? What needs to be done? What is God saying? Let us hear it. Let us take it on the chin as it were. If that's what God is saying, if that's what God sees, then we need to hear from men of God um, and not reject it and not call it evil. But Ahab is not going to do that, sadly. <clears throat> so Micaiah goes on to say, Behold, thou shalt see on that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. Sorry, actually, I just skipped a verse there because the false prophet Zedekiah then speaks. Um, after, after Micaiah speaks, this false prophet Zedekiah says, Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenaanah, he came near and smote or hit Micaiah upon the cheek. Now, he either slapped him on the cheek or punched him and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? Oh, this false prophet hates Micaiah. He's asking him, so you show me, tell me where did the where did the where did um where did the spirit of God leave me and then go to and then start speaking through you? And he doesn't want to, he doesn't like this, you know, because you know that so he's been accused of being a false prophet, which he is, Zedekiah, and he's he's been you know and he hates uh, Micaiah and he and he attacks him and he hits him. So where did the spirit of God leave me and and start using you, Micaiah? Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see in that day when thou shalt go in to an inner chamber to hide thyself. It sounds like Zedekiah is going to be killed and he's going to realize that God is not with you. Was he with him before? I don't know, but he's certainly not with him now. And he's going to be destroyed too. Then the king of Israel said, Take ye Micaiah and carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus say the king, Put this fellow, just talk about Micaiah, this prophet of God, put this fellow in the prison and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I return in peace. Punish him, torture him. That's exactly what that means, this man of God. There are men of God right now being tortured and punished in prisons um, in certain countries around the world. How about North Korea? How about Afghanistan? How about Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Somalia, Eritrea, um, and, and places like that? And how about men of God being rejected today in our churches in Ireland and in Europe? But certainly in certain countries today, they're being afflicted, they're being punished because they're speaking the truth and it's costing them and yet they will not back down and not even Micaiah and so he's been put in prison Ahab said put him in there till I return in peace but Micaiah this is the final verse I'm going to read in this chapter and Micaiah said if thou certainly return in peace then had the Lord then had not the Lord spoken by me and he said hearken all ye people listen all ye people Micaiah says I am speaking the truth remember that if Ahab returns in peace then God has not spoken to me folks Ahab did not return in peace he died in battle though he tried to disguise himself he died God got him so Micaiah was a man of God that God was speaking true now go to 2nd Timothy chapter 4 Second Timothy is a book written by the Apostle Paul. In fact, it's the last letter written by Paul before he dies. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. And, and just, you know, we'll tie this with what we, with the prophet Micaiah here in, the, in, in that time. 
Verse chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Now listen here, pastor, if you're listening. I hope there's pastors listening, men of God, or any man of God that God wants to use. Preach the word. When? Be instant, in season, out of season. Then God says, in that preaching, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine or teaching. Okay? Don't preach when, it's the, when it feels good, when it looks safe. Do it in season, out of season. And remember, reprove, rebuke. There's so little of that today in the Christianity. Reprove and rebuke him. We need it. I need it. You need it. Exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. Why? Timothy, man of God today, for the time will come when they will not endure or put up with sound doctrine or sound teaching. They won't, they won't put up with it, just like Ahab wouldn't. But, but after their own lusts or their own sinful desires and pleasures, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Wow. Isn't that what Ahab was, the man with the itching ear? Tell us what. Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me we're going to win. Tebbing, God's going to bless me. God's on my side. God is happy with me. Everything's fine. Itching ears. What you do with an itching ear, you scratch it. You know, I often have itching ear and I use a cotton stick. I know you're not supposed to do that, but it feels so good to do it because it's itchy inside there. Oh, it's so nice. And what do we have in our churches today? It's what Paul, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, predicted in the last days. That, that Christianity t- churches will have preachers and teachers that will tell them what they want to hear that will make them feel good. Nothing about repentance. Nothing about separating from the world. Nothing about holiness. Nothing about compromise. It's all about unity, unity, unity. It's all about, you've got a home in heaven. Oh, everything's going to be okay. You know, um, you're, you're so good. And that's what we have today. Paul predicted this. God predicted this through Paul, of course. Timothy, the time will come. They will not put up with sound teaching. But after their own lust, their own sinful desires, shall they heap themselves teachers or preachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. That's what's going to happen in the last days, according to the Apostle Paul. But Paul goes on to say to Timothy, but watch thou in all things, Timothy. Endure afflictions. I don't think pastors or preachers or Christians want to endure afflictions anymore. They just want an easy life, a bed of ease. They want to be at ease at Zion. But God says, woe to them at ease at Zion. Woe to you when men speak well of you. I remember Ian Paisley, a man of God that God used in the north of Ireland. He wasn't perfect, but he used to say, I worry when people don't speak about me, don't uh, speak about me or, or criticize me. I worry about that because it means I'm not, because what he means is if I'm preaching the truth, they will be speaking against me. They will be against me. But if I'm if I'm a teacher um, giving uh, soft messages and easy messages, then they won't speak against me. You should be worried too if you're not being persecuted. Okay, because even Paul said in chapter three, "Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." 
a godly man would suffer persecution. Timothy, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Now, Timothy's a pastor, but he's an evangelist is somebody who preaches the good news, the gospel, the uncompromising gospel about repentance, about heaven and hell, particularly hell. Oh, we can speak about heaven, but not about hell anymore, it seems, right? About repentance, about wickedness. Our sin is wicked before God. We don't hear that anymore. Timothy, you do it and make full proof of thy ministry. And then Paul goes on to say, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure or death or leaving this earth is at hand. It's near. Paul knew he was about to die. This book of Second Timothy was written about autumn of 67 AD, approximately, I think. Okay, And within months, Paul will be dead at most, maybe even less, by, executed by Nero himself. He knows he's about to go. But look what Paul says. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Does that sound like to you that Paul has any regrets of compromising his Christianity or speaking a smooth, soft message or gospel? No, he did not. He fought a fight. It, Christianity is a fight, Christian. Did you know that, Pastor? It's a fight. Why are we not fighting spiritually? Why are we not in affliction? Why are we not facing persecution then? Paul says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course. It's like a race. I have kept the faith. And because that, he says, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Oh, it's going to be great. I want that crown of righteousness so badly, don't you? He says, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, the perfect judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing when Jesus comes in the rapture. Many Christian churches now are rejecting the pre-trib rapture position, which is clearly taught in scripture. I will talk about that someday, but it is clear that we are not going through the tribulation. Show me in the book of Revelation where the church is mentioned in the tribulation. After chapter 3, the church is not mentioned once. The chapters 1 to 3 is the church age. After that, the church is never mentioned again. We are not going to tribulation. The tribulation is for a Christ-rejecting world, and it's going to be 21 judgments of the severest type that the world has never seen before and in two of those judgments half the world's population will be wiped out that's four billion dead bodies by today's population that is not for the church the church is not facing the wrath of god the church is god's bride god is not a white beater okay neither should you be either right man okay um but anyway God, who, do you love his appearing? Are you looking forward to his appearing? Or do you feel like me? No, I, Lord, don't come yet because I'm not ready. I want to fight the good fight. I want to bring souls with me. I want to see the church, my family, revived. Uh, surrender to you in holiness and righteousness. Surrendered life. And yes, persecution because I'm living for God. And Paul goes on to say, Do thy diligence to come surely unto me, Timothy. He wants Timothy to come to him. Okay, Paul's in prison here. Okay, Facing death. He says, for Demas hath forsaken me. He's mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Demas. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And his departure unto Thessalonica. Demas had left him. Why? Because he loved this present world. I believe that is the way the churches say, we love the present world. Now, is that what you want to hear? No. But that's, I believe, the truth. We love this present world. Just like Demas. Paul had friends, but Mendo's friends left him. And if you're a man of God standing for the truth and living for the truth and preaching the truth, you will be forsaken, not by the world, by Christians, by churches. But if you're a man of God, hang on there because we'll see what Paul says about that. 
but he had been left. And he says, Cretan went to Galatia and Titus under Dalmatia. More friends had gone. Now, we don't know if Cretans and Titus had forsaken him for sure, but Paul was on his own at this. You know, he'd been forsaken. It's possible they forsook him too, but certainly Demas did, having loved this present world. If there's an epithet that could be said about the church today is that they love this present world so much. The church does not want persecution. Doesn't, there is zero, zero chance of so many of believers today of being martyrs for God, of suffering persecution. Because we're not God, a godly people. We're an ungodly generation that will not, in, will not put up with sound teaching, with straight talking, biblical teaching. Listen to real men and prophets of God anymore. We don't want it because we love this present world. And he says, only Luke was with me. Oh, I love Luke. Of course, you know, Luke wrote the book of Acts, didn't he? But, you know, you, won't, you will actually see Luke talk um, up to chapters, Acts 15 or 16, I think it is. He will, say, he will use talk in the third person, but then he'll talk in the second person or use the word we, because after Luke, basically from Acts 16, Luke is actually with Paul personally. Okay, but before that he wasn't with him, traveling with him, but after that he was. And Luke is still with him, faithful Luke, who wrote the book of Acts and, of course, the book of Luke. And then he says, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And I think that's amazing. Mark is, of course, John Mark, who wrote the book of Mark. Mark was not a profitable Christian. He was a compromising Christian, a coward before, but he has changed. Mark has had revival, and now he's profitable to Paul. Paul didn't want to take him on a missionary journey with him before. You see it in the book of Acts. Barnabas did. Of course, Barnabas means encourager. I believe Barnabas encouraged Mark, and, and, he came, and Mark got right with the Lord, and now he's profitable to Paul. I think that's amazing itself. So you know what? You can have revival if you surrender your life to the Lord today and stop being a compromiser and stop being a coward and live for the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what the cost. There is no honour, particularly as a man, being a coward and being silent today. What honour is that? But John Mark was changed. And Paul goes on to say, the cloak that I left at, sorry, he says here, um, yeah, first 13, sure, we'll go down to there. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carbers, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parsons bring with you, he tells Timothy, right? Because he wants Timothy to come to him. Of course, Timothy is Paul's son of the faith, don't forget. Paul led him to the Lord. I think that's amazing. You know, that's why he calls him my beloved son. Paul was never married. Timothy's not actual, his biological son, but spiritual son. Do you have any souls that you can call my spiritual son that you bring with you to heaven? You know, part of the reward day in heaven you know, for Christians will be, I believe God's going to bring people, men and women to you and say, this soul got saved through you. This man or woman. This soul heard the gospel from you and then later on got saved years later through someone else. I think that'd be, that would not be a great day to see souls are in heaven because God used you or me to preach the gospel. You're uncompromising gospel, of course, right? And so um, that's going to be what Timothy is. And then Tim, Paul goes on to say, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Wow. And then Paul says to Timothy, of whom be thou where also, for he had greatly withstood our words. And then Paul says, at my first answer to this guy, um, Alexander the coppersmith, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray that God, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. You just hear this a lot. Paul is left alone many times by Christians, brothers and sisters in the Lord, left all by himself. That's what he said here. So Alexander Coppersmith, I no doubt was opposing Paul because Paul was preaching the gospel about against idolatry. And no doubt Alexander Coppersmith was making idols and his business was being ruined, as we see in the book of Acts as well. And he 
probably this is what caused Paul to be brought, uh, arrested again and, and um, now facing death because of it. But no man stood with him, it says. No man stood with him. And yet Paul has no bitterness. He says, Lord, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. And then Paul goes on to say, notwithstanding, now this is wonderful, notwithstanding, verse 70 of chapter 4, 2 Timothy, notwithstanding, Paul says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Oh, you may be alone, man of God, if that's what you want to be and are. You've got God with you and he will strengthen you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. There are men of God in prison right now and have been throughout history, but they, oh, you read their stories. They felt and knew the presence of God in those dark dungeons. Remember, prison in Paul's time was a terrible place. You were chained to walls, damp, wet conditions, filthy conditions, cold conditions, starving conditions, being punished and whipped, who knows, in chains. It wasn't like today's prisons. And what does he say? Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Wow. You know what? Paul's life was not boring. You know, a man who lives for God, Christians who live for God, your life will not be boring. A lot of Christians today are bored because they're not living for God. They're not surrounded to him. They're afraid, they're silent, they're compromising. There's no honour in that, as I said before. Paul's life was not boring. His diary was full. Do you ever read the story in 2 Corinthians 11? The things he went through, including being 24 hours in the sea all by himself, in the Mediterranean Sea where sharks swim? Not to mention other time when he was told to stone to death and whipped and imprisoned and all kind of stuff. Paul's life was full and no regrets. And yet God was with him when nobody else was with him. Men of God will be lonely, I tell you that. Women of God, you'll be lonely too. But God will be with you because uh, God knows those loyal servants of his who will who are not, don't have itching ears, who will hear truth like today, like I'm saying, and we're going to take it on the chin and say, Lord, you're right, you're right, Lord, forgive me. And Lord, take me back, revive me. Because that's what I'm praying, you know. God was with him, he said, and delivered him from the mouth of the lions. So no doubt Paul was sentenced to be, to be uh, torn apart by the lions in one of these sentences by the Romans. And somehow God protected him and delivered him. Now, God does protect her sometimes, but not all the time. God sometimes allows us to die, called martyrs. Paul did die within months after this letter. He was beheaded by Nero. Um, but God, but that's God, God, because God said, now is your time. And you will not die a second earlier than, unless God allows it. He's absolutely in control of your life. But how many stories have you heard of God delivering his people out of very dark and dangerous and impossible situations. So he did that for Paul many times, but he did allow him to die eventually when he's beheaded by Nero because his time was ready. You know, don't be afraid of death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? You know, where grave, where is your strength? You know, death should have no, has no fear for the Christian anymore, but it looks like it does, doesn't it? And he says that the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will reserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, that's where I want to finish up today. Started off with the prophet Micaiah, who spoke the truth, and it was unpopular, and it was rejected by, by uh, Ahab. But it was also rejected by Jehoshaphat, even though he was a godly king, he shouldn't have got involved in this, you know, and God did rebuke him by a prophet, the prophet Hananiah, in the next chapter in Second Chronicles. But, um, Micaiah was a man who stood by himself. He spoke the truth, which was not popular. And we're told by Paul that in the last days that 
uh, God's people will not put up with self-teaching, but will they want, they'll have itching ears, teachers that will make them feel good, but will not tell them the truth that God wants them to tell them. Are you a Christian that has itching ears that just wants to hear nice things, or do you want to hear the truth? Are you a preacher or a pastor or a man of God that maybe God has called and is doing the same thing, but God is calling you today, uh, leave the plough behind you, for, uh, come out from among the world, come out from the world and be a separate, and I will be with by be your God, God says. Do you have do you want to have a testimony like Paul that can you say I've fought the good fight? I've kept the faith, I've looked, I've finished my course, there's now later for me a crown of righteousness. Well, it is true if you are serving God. If you haven't been, if you've been compromising, you've been a coward and you're hiding and you're staying silent and you're getting involved with the world, why not get right with God today? Why not repent today? Get on your face and say, God, forgive me. Revive me, Lord, in the midst of these years, like the prophet Habakkuk said. Because that's my prayer. That's my longing for you, for my family, for our churches, especially in Ireland. We are in big trouble. But I believe before the Lord comes, there can be a personal, at least a personal revival where God could use you and God could use me. You know, to finish off is Psalm 40. is one of my favorite Psalms, particularly the first few verses um, uh, written by David. And not knowing exactly the context why David said these words, but it's clear from Psalm 40, those first couple of verses, that David was, uh, had been in a very bad spot, in a very bad area, you know. But he was revived, um, as we'll see. And so it says in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. So Paul, David says he was in this horrible pit, this miry clay, filthy position place. What was it? We don't know. But it wasn't a good place. But God delivered him. But God even did better than that. Verse 3. And, he's, and David says, God put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. And many shall see it and fear. And shall trust in the Lord. Wow. Do you get that? This new song that God had put in David's mouth was a revival song. What God had done in David's life. And David is convinced because of what God has done in his life. That many will see that. And will fear and trust in the Lord because of that. So when you are revived, when you get right with God, it's going to affect others. There's going to be revival with others as well. There's going to be saved souls because you've got right with God. You're now a separated, surrendered Christian. Don't you want that as your testimony? That's what Psalm 40 there is about, verse 1 to 3. This is a psalm that I, and a song that I sing many times because it is my longing. I need revival. I have grieved the Holy Spirit. I have vexed him. I have quenched him. I'm not in the place I used to be, but I believe that most of the Western church is in the same place. But most of them won't, won't, um, won't agree with me. Don't see it that way. They, they want teachers because they have itching ears. But God calls the church, like he did the five churches in Revelation, he called them to repent. Will you repent? Will you turn back to God? Will you stop compromising? The end is coming soon. The Lord is coming. Do you know the Lord your Savior? Do you know your name is written in the book of life even? But if you do, get right with God. We need men of God that would be like Micaiah, like the Apostle Paul who will preach this truth in season, out of season. They will prove, rebuke, but all long-suffering doctrine because the time is already here when the, church, the churches in the Western world are not putting up with sound teaching or preaching. 
but they have, want teachers and preachers because they've got itching ears that they want to have scratched to make them feel better. The best message you could ever hear is revive or, or revive or Lord uh, repent and then you can reply Lord revive me in the midst of these dark years in these last days before you come in the cloud to take away your people in the rapture. So that's where I want to finish. I do ask you to share these messages, these podcasts with others. I'm not a great social media person. Um, in fact, I was even never going to do another podcast again because the numbers have gone down to people are listening. But I feel I need to keep going for the moment that maybe one man God's going to raise, one intercessor, one man of God, one prophet that God's going to raise. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that's why God wants me to say, give another message. This could be my last message. I'll just go by wherever the Lord wants because I want revival, but I'm not going to force anything. If people are not going to listen to these messages, then I'm not going to do them. Not too many people are listening like, like you used to, but there are some. And I thank you for that, you know. But share these messages, you know, to others on the internet, you know. Um, maybe that way uh, the message will spread because we need revival. So thank you for listening. God bless you and I'll talk to you again soon. Amen.